well, here we go. It's time for the first ever YPTE podcast from the Young People's Trust for the Environment. My name's Peter, and I'm delighted to welcome as our first guest, YPTE president, actor, DJ, and presenter, Kel Spellman. Kel, welcome. Wow, Peter, thank you. I mean, what a moment. I mean, we've spoke about this for, for a little while, and now the first one is here, we're recording. I feel I feel it's a great honour for myself, so thank you for, for letting me be the first guest. <laughs> Not at all. And thank you very much for coming. It's, it's excellent to have you here. So first question, how long have you been interested in the environment? I feel, I think I've, I've, I've always, from what I remember anyway, always um, had a passion and love for it. I think right from when I was a child, I think my, my earliest memories are usually centered around wildlife uh, rather than the environment as a whole. I think that was my, my way in. And I remember, I think I had an, an adoption pack uh, with WDCS, who at the time, I think they still go, maybe under a different name, the Welf, uh, Wales and Dolphin Conservation Society. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I adopted uh, a dolphin called Lightning when I was about five or six, just from seeing an advert on TV. So I really, from when I was young, I remember always having an affiliation um, for wildlife and internal environment. And then I guess as I got a little bit older and you start to learn more about, you know, um, wildlife species environment global warming as it was called when i was at school you know through science and and a few lessons that would happen within the classroom that's when i think my understanding of things started to really grow and really kind of it hitting home that everything is connected and what we're doing is having an impact not only on the planet but on all these wildlife species that i love and then in turn myself uh and i guess then from that kind of feeling that then is what has been a a real driving force for me and then kind of taking the path that I've taken with one wanting to try and help the planet as much as I can trying to protect it and preserve it and in turn as well in, inspire hopefully um, some of the people to come on board as well but it's it's a long-winded way of saying yeah really since I can remember I've, I've always had that deep love and connection I think to our natural world amazing yeah I think yeah it's it's when you start to love something isn't it in terms of you know the the animals or some aspect of the environment that you really care about that kind of opens your eyes to a whole lot more and then you start to you know see more and more that's important and I mean do you, do you feel there was a defining moment for you in when you realized that you know taking care of our world is actually a really important thing um do you know it, it sounds so funny this but genuinely I, I still remember to this day that lesson around global warming in science and I remember you'd see the diagram, you know, and it showed you how basically we're heating up the Earth's atmosphere. And like it was really making a point. I think the thing that scared me the most was that we were destroying the ozone layer. Now, in my head, when I was about 13, it was a bit like Harry Potter and we had this big protective shield around us. And it really scared me at the thought of, wow, if that goes because of our own doing, the Earth is going to heat up and we're going to cease to exist. Like I went, obviously, that's kind of way further down the line. But I do remember that really um, kind of sitting deep with me in a way and really kind of hitting hitting hard in a way and, and me not understanding why nothing was being done about it or why we're still not doing something about it. I remember it just felt like quite a casual lesson like, so this is what's happening, there's this thing called global warming, the Earth's heating up, we're destroying the ozone layer. And that was kind of it, but I was thinking that really doesn't, doesn't sound that good. And then obviously when I've kind of read a little bit more and learned that little bit more, you realise the, the disastrous effects that's having. And I think that 
that is a real moment for me where I think the whole balance of our ecosystem and life support system and how much we rely on the planet and its resources I think really hit and that I think has really galvanized me and put me on the path of conservation and, and activism and um, wanting to try and stop that in a way stop global warming but I don't even think they use it I mean it's now called climate change which is another thing that I uh, I remember saying to my friends going that makes it sound a little bit you know not as bad as what it is you hear global warming and I think that doesn't sound good it almost says like warning to you whereas I feel like they've used climate change to try and soften the blow a little bit um, so I think that's a defining moment for me yeah 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 I think and they, there can be that kind of sense of of helplessness almost as well that especially for a, a young person I think you know you get confronted with these big massive problems and you think, oh, well, A, as you said, no one seems to be doing anything about it. And B, you know, what can I do about it? But I think now we're in a, a much better place in terms of, you know, we know there are solutions. Yes, there are big problems, but we've got some solutions as well. And I think that's a really positive message that we can give to, to everybody, to young people in particular, that there is now hope for that future, that we do have the tools, we can make the difference. What's the biggest thing you think you've done yourself to help the planet? Wow. Um, I mean, I think I always feel that I could be doing more, first and foremost. But I'd say the biggest thing for me, this is kind of more of a it's a, it's a generalization. But I think actually having the conversations and trying to raise awareness from. I remember in particular around, you know, 16, really kind of starting those conversations and being very aware of it. I'd like to think that'd probably be one of the biggest things because even if within those countless conversations I've had, if I've brought just one person round to maybe seeing things a little bit differently and being a little bit more thoughtful or a bit more conscious or maybe wanting to go out and make a bit of a change themselves, I think that's one of the greatest things any of us can do as individuals. But I think I remember, and this is, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, where things are at now, like you say, uh, was not the case back then and Peter you'll probably know this as well because of how much work you've done in this space but you'd mention climate change or global warming and people would roll their eyes or they'd go oh he's off again there's another one that's talking about this this thing that's <laughs> I actually happening. had kids recoil in terror actually <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, they, you know, there was just this sort of oh no not that um, don't talk about that again um, I don't want to hear it and you know I mean, no, it kind of is like that, but at the same time, you know, there are the ways around it now. You know, yes, we've got an awful lot of work to do, but we can yes. do it. Yeah, um, and I think, yeah, I yeah. think so, and, and of that time, I think, yeah, me having those conversations then and, and really just trying to push that awareness and get it into people's conversations and, and into, you know, thinking about it in their daily lives, I'd, I'd probably put that as maybe one of the things I've tried to do to, to, to help the planet as, as best I can. Um, and then through there as well, I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough to do, to work with a lot of brilliant organisations and, and, and charities that um, do way more than I do, to be honest with you. So if I can just support their work just a little bit, um, that that's enough for me, um, I think. You know, you look at y yourselves with, with, with YPT or uh, I do some bits with WWF. The, the, the work that you do is so instrumental. Uh, and I think the fact that I can just be a small part of that feels, you know, like, ah, oh, OK, yeah, that, that's maybe one of the greatest things. Well, it's one of my proudest things that I, I do anyway. 
Oh, that's really lovely to hear. But you know, you, what you do is actually really, really important as well. Um, so don't ever undervalue it. It is really, really special what you do. And um, yeah. it really helps to get the message across as well, because a lot of it is about the communication, really. Completely. It is purely about the communication. Well, I, and I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. Sorry, Peter. No, it, was, it was interesting what you know of communication. I remember a couple of years ago, me and a friend having a conversation and I was kind of, you know, saying one of the biggest elements to the whole fight against climate change, I think in a way is that it's a, it's a PR thing. And when I say PR, if there's any young people listening thinking, oh, what's PR? PR is kind of, you know, almost public relations. So what you see in magazines and in the news and uh, that is kind of how you galvanise public opinion and, and public awareness. And I think if there was a massive worldwide PR campaign around climate change, the actual truth and the realities of it, I think they would go a long, long way to helping us move things along a lot quicker and go about making the change we need to see. You're spot on, I think, that communication and awareness. And going back to what we were saying at the start of our conversation, I think David Attenborough says something similar. He goes, rather than force-feeding things down people's throat, you know, once they've got that awareness and gained that understanding, if you're telling them what to do, and I'm like this, I go, don't tell me what to do, I'll do it for myself. But if they've found that love, whatever that may be, in whatever shape or form for themselves, that's more powerful than anything that you can ever do because that really will move them and galvanize them more than any individual can because they've found that for themselves. So I think they're definitely the, the, the three, of, three of the key elements anyway, some of them, uh, when we're talking about climate change and, and, and what we can do and the solutions that are out there. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's one of those things that um, we try to do all the time is to present the facts and let young people make up their own minds rather than telling them this is the way you've got to think. I remember my little sister when she was at school, she got, um, a, you know, this talk done by a vegetarian society and they kind of terrified the kids with horrible scenes of abattoirs and all that sort of thing. And basically the entire lot of them went vegetarian for about a week or two afterwards. No and then they way. started to think, hang on a minute, have we been slightly brainwashed here? And, you know, ever since then, she's eaten burgers. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's that kind of reaction that is much better, as you say, if, you know, people make up their own minds. Yes, present them with the facts, but don't tell them how they have to think. Say, look, this is the, this is the full picture. Yeah. And, you know, make up your own minds from there. So that's, um, yeah, I mean, completely agree with you. And um, probably this question has sort of been partly answered already, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Your favourite eco-hero and why? Oof, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know, there, there, are, there, are, there are a few, but if I have to choose one, um, I mean, and I think it's the same for a lot of people. It, I think it has to be uh, Sir David Attenborough for me. Um, I yeah. mentioned him there before, but he he single-handedly has, has really driven the conversation around our environment and natural world and climate change and he's given a voice to the natural world and to these these beautiful precious wildlife species like no other person has and I, I, I dread to think where where we would be in the planet would be without his programming without his knowledge and without his wisdom and without the voice and presence that he has not just in the climate space but i think generally in the world as well um and and you you, you forget and if you've not seen a life on our planet which is kind of his biographic film it's so worth your time to watch it's beautiful but 
he's had a career that spans 60 decades you know he really has seen the transformation of the modern day world and lived through it uh, and is cross-generational as well from from myself to to you peter to i'm sure younger people listening to them people a bit older than me everyone knows him and everyone stops and listens to him uh, and and he has been one of my greatest inspirations and definitely part of has helped fuel my love and passion for the natural world because of the stuff i've seen on his programming and because of some of the lessons he's given uh, throughout his career so i i i, I do would have to say sir david attenborough but I, I will say as well and i'm not just saying this um for the podcast but uh, the other hero for me are, are are young people heroes i'm very fortunate that i i, I work a lot with young people uh, i've spent a lot of time with them and they they truly are and you guys listen and you are the best there i think we we don't give you enough credit we we don't empower you enough but i see uh some of the things that you're doing and some of the, the way that you think and the way that you see things and i, I find that incredibly inspiring and, and they they bring me probably a, a lot of hope as well in a way um and, and we know that through ypte i mean we're never not blown away or amazed whenever we get to come together for some awards or or have set some projects for schools to to go out and embark on um so i think young people are, are definitely some of my favorite eco heroes as well look at the school climate strikes you know the the school climate yeah, yeah. strikes have single-handedly been one of the biggest and greatest movements in in my lifetime anyway and it has all come from young people uh so they're definitely heroes to me as well yeah, and that's a, such a global movement as well. That's the amazing thing about it. I think the way it you know, started in Sweden and it's just grown and grown across the planet and the way they coordinate so that it all happens on the same day around the world is you know, t- truly amazing. But going back to, to, to David as well, I think you know, probably, although he's had such a massive long career, his impact has been probably the greatest in about the last five years, I guess, you know, with yeah. first of all, with plastic, which just, you know, if anybody got the message about plastic pollution across, it was Sir David and Great. suddenly everybody knew all about it. And then he's done the same thing, really, as a kind of double whammy with climate change and, yeah. you know, really brought both things right up to the forefront of, of um, public awareness. And and people are now feeling much more motivated i think to do something about it as well which is the really important thing um so yeah i I think i totally agree with you he's he's almost as well he's helped people in a way not uh use ignorance as a as a way to excuse not caring or not having that extra thought and uh with plastics really brought that to people's living rooms the scale of the problem and the impact it was having with climate change i think he's really helped people make that link between this affects us and you may not feel it when particularly here for instance in the uk we're very fortunate you know we're not quite experiencing extreme weather yet people are experiencing or we might have some nice gardens and we've got some nice you know natural um, spaces and nature reserves not enough don't get me wrong and there's a lot of rewilding to be done but we we're not confronted with the impacts or effects of it like some people are and i think he's helped make that link which has been instrumental and i think as well uh, for me part of it is what we were saying before in that he has been banging this drum for a long time but people just haven't been listening or wanted to listen or been open to listening and i think he's changed the tack slightly in his approach and really gone kind of look i'm gonna have to be really blunt about this now but i think tie that in with actual the the shift in consciousness that's happening it was kind of the perfect storm for these last five years to almost really take it up two three levels i think 
Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like he was he was in the right place at the right time, having waited a long time to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the impact has been huge and it really has sort of changed, I think, people's outlooks on, on the... I mean, we've seen that as an environmental charity. We've seen the difference that it's made to us in terms of, you know, people supporting us and what we've been able to do so you know that really, yeah. we, we've seen it in that way in a really sort of tangible way if you like so to take you maybe slightly off topic or maybe not but i'm not sure i'm going to ask you <laughs> in the ne next question okay because they don't have to be necessarily an environmental person or thing but what's your biggest or what or who is your biggest inspiration for your life oh wow um I'm sorry, just a little question. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just just a little old thing. Um, no, it's quite a nice question. I think it's one that you don't really get asked that much, really. Um, I would, I would really have to say, obviously, I've got my, I, you know, a special mention to my parents and my brother and little Dotty as well, our little dog. But um, for me, it would have to be my granddad. Genuinely, I think he's always been someone that I've looked up to, turned to, and. and I've been very grateful to really have the model example I think of of how a person should be act and think um so it would it would be my it would have to be my granddad who who I just I love dearly but he is he's the best person I know and uh has definitely led by example as I say and and shown me I think the way that you should be and, and should carry yourself and should act um and and also kept me very you know um grounded and, and, and stuck to my roots in a way um he's just one of the strongest and best men that that i do know uh, and is in my life so my, my, my granddad i'd say for me i think is is probably my, my greatest inspiration and someone who i look up to Pretty the most nice. yeah mm, that's fantastic <laughs> really lovely so do you want to name jake or just just granddad granddad john <laughs> my granddad john yeah. granddad john there we go <laughs> if he was doing it though he'd be like he would hate to even be talking about him but um no my granddad john there he is well done granddad john <laughs> that's brilliant so Kel, what do you think is the biggest challenge that we've got now to you know, facing future generations yeah i think there's a couple really i think that kind of if we were to go for one challenge that kind of is perfect i think for the space we're in peter is that the challenge is making sure when young people arrive at that point of being 18 19 20 become young adults and are the next ones to really start you know implementing changes in action that we've not left it too late that we're not at the past of point return which i think is a very it's a harsh reality that we find ourselves in we really have this set time frame and i think that's the greatest challenge because i think within that comes everything then if we've if we've not done enough by that point then that's how it's going to be if, if we don't make the change the action put pressure on those where we need to put pressure on uh, then you i dread to think of young people getting to the point where they've worked so hard to arm themselves and learn as much as they can and, and be aware and try and be the change that they want to see in the world for them to get at that point and go well we've we've ruined it for you so i think that's probably one of our greatest challenges and i think the other one that i've been that for me i'm i'm finding more and more over the last couple of years is the challenge around accountability and what i mean by that is you know who do we hold to account and how do we hold people to account for the big systemic uh, and uh, governmental decisions and actions that get made and taken i think 
I look around and on the on on the grassroots of things, you know, people like you say are now willing to try and make the right decision and do the right thing. Young people, they're striking every Friday because they want something to give. I, I think we're all very aware that some of the big seismic change we need to see is going to come from our governments and world leaders and big businesses. Uh, and my thing with it is, is going that is great, but if they don't do what they say they're going to do or have agreed to what's the accountability what is the consequence because i think there's been a few things over the last five years for instance the paris climate agreement is is the best example for me landmark agreement incredible for the planet all countries coming together united to work on and fight for the same thing a beautiful thing we're five six years on from that and from my little bits of reading and research and i know peter you'll probably know more than me i'm pretty sure the uk and a lot of countries aren't on track to meet the goals that they've said that they'll meet so i go right well that's right. that's fine but then what are the consequences for that and there doesn't seem to be any and i think until there starts to be real accountability and consequences for those things it just feels like they can keep saying we're going to sign a new thing or do a new thing and not do anything about it and that's i think another big challenge that 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 we have um and i'm yet to find out what the answer is i think people power is definitely the answer because they are there for us uh but I'd say, yeah, those those are two things that come to mind as far as challenges. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, with yeah. Paris, you know, there's meant to be legally binding um, agreement on it. But, yeah, where are the teeth to that law? I think that's the, that's the issue um, is, you know, we're not seeing any of that biting yet. Uh, and as a result governments are kind of skirting around the issues a bit and they really need to focus because you know this this next decade is the crucial one really where we've got to really start tackling emissions and get them right down because if we don't do it in this next decade it then becomes so much more of a challenge if we have to leave it any longer so it really is important but it was really interesting i I don't know whether you sorry no go on peter go on sorry I was just going to say, I don't know whether you saw the story um, yesterday about the, the little girl from Wales, little 10-year-old girl called Skye, I think, who um, has managed, yeah, and um, she'd managed to um, write, well, she started this campaign about um, plastic toys on kids' magazines because, you know, she'd seen a lot of stuff on plastics and realised that they were a real problem and she'd obviously, as a child, probably herself um seen some of the rubbish that they put on the front of children's magazines and thought well this is pointless um and what happens to it when it's when it's finished with and obviously it ends up in the bin mostly in the landfill and then possibly in the sea depending on where it's gone so she's written letters to supermarkets saying please can you stop and actually yesterday waitrose announced that they are banning the sale of children's magazines that have plastic toys on the front Um, So in in the next about eight weeks or so, there won't be any more of those magazines on the shelves in Waitrose. So that's an example of, you know, how a young person's voice can really make a difference. Um, Just a simple thing. But, you know, the most you see, this is what I'm saying about young people. You really are, you know, leading by example and just a shining beacon of inspiration. And and not just young people, you know, I, I hope adults read that story and and. You know, my my friends and people around my age and go, don't don't be kidded, which I think, you know, a lot of the, the world does this. It makes us think that we are a bit hopeless and we don't have power and we don't have a voice. Couldn't be further from the truth. We just have to use it and try and use it in the right way. I can't believe I've missed that. But thank you for sharing because that's that's made that my was... week 
sky there doing, <laughs> doing, doing the work of 10, 15, hundreds of people actually to be fair, that's amazing hopefully as well if yeah, you want no, the supermarkets will, will follow suit as well well I mean that's got to be the thing hasn't it the Waitrose is now setting the example and surely the others have to follow suit and you know follow their lead and then there's pressure on the publishers then to think well if we're going to put toys on the front of these magazines from now on you know we're going to have to think about doing it differently yeah weekly circulations can be you know for different magazines over a hundred thousand so you've got a hundred thousand bits of tat every week in one magazine title um and 52 weeks of the year that's you know that's a lot of rubbish they reckon it's about three thousand tons of plastic rubbish is on the front of magazines for kids wow so if that goes that's a serious impact being made really by one 10 year old girl um, and and, and it's that great example of the the ripple effect that that one little change can change you know i think it's the perfect example of it because you know even though it's only waitrose that have done it that in turn is going to hopefully then enforce the hand of the other big supermarkets and then like you're saying then that's going to trickle feed to the suppliers and the suppliers are probably then owned by a big multi 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 multinational conglomerate of some sort and if suddenly they're realising, well, that's one part of our arm that we've had to change. Maybe there's a couple of other arms. Then you've kind of managed to make change right up to the top, um, which can yeah. always happen. And is, that is always a possibility. And nine times out of ten, that's probably what will end up happening. We just have to be that first spark in a way that Sky has been. Sky, if you do listen to this, you're my hero. <laughs> Sky is another one of my eco-heroes. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. There we go. Excellent. <laughs> So, okay, coming back to accountability as an issue, mm. got any ideas for how we're going to tackle that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, I, I, I mean, my, my go-to when, I, when I've sat on it is, I guess, would have to be public pressure. I'd like to think, because in, in my head, the people that were looking to, to make these decisions or, or create these parameters or structures for us to then operate in and the world to operate in, ultimately have been put in that position by us maybe not all of us but all, you know still it's the people and they're there to serve us and if they're not serving us and if they're not you know if we don't think they're acting in a right and proper way and, and is a good representation of what i you know want to see from my government or the people who are running the country that i live in and in turn everything that comes within that then i think public pressure has to be the way and i think that's where you know you think is it really worth it writing a letter to my MP or is it really worth it going to stand with the kids on a Friday afternoon but I really come from the school of thinking and I don't know what I think part of it is you know, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't but utmost belief that that will work you know if we all did suddenly write to our MP around one thing and go I don't think it's okay that the, the UK government aren't on track to meet their the um, their binding agreements they've made in Paris if if even a million people wrote to their MP around that, one, it's going to get debated in Parliament, two, there's going to be news around it, and then three, from that, then suddenly they, they hopefully might feel a little bit of pressure or the, the shirt collars might suddenly feel a little bit tight around the neck because it's being talked about and it, it's them that we're talking about because it's only them that can do it. So public pressure, I think, is one of the ways. Um, and then I guess as well, um, more impactful consequences. Uh, for those who don't, you know, if, if they're not holding their, um, what they've said to, to the best of their ability. You look in school and go, reasons that detentions or punishments work, I remember when you had to do lines, is you wouldn't do it because I didn't want to have to write out 250 lines because that is a, I'd miss five break times in the week, 
not get to play football. There were consequences for my actions. It feels like there's not many consequences for these people at the moment. And I think if suddenly there are more severe consequences, I think that would force them to actually maybe act in a better and more honest way, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, one of the things that we're really hoping to develop over the next few years is enabling young people to make their views heard on you know all kinds of environmental issues by doing things like you know writing to their MPs by writing to CEOs of big companies and just sort of expressing a view on you know don't you think you could do this differently now or why haven't you done this already because it's there and you could be doing it and you know and those sort of questions being asked um, by enough people are going to start really I think yeah making everyone have to you know not ignore the environmental issues any longer and, and to work work with them i mean there's there's the the thought of developing ecocide as a crime as well which is actually making some serious progress now where wow. you know any big business that does serious damage to the environment can actually be held uh, liable in the same way that you would be for genocide or homicide or you know the, the, it's going to be if it if it comes into force yeah, that could be really compellingly powerful in terms of stopping big destruction massively and I, i've got to say there's an argument for it because i think in a way you could i mean we could probably find people now that already have experienced some form of ecocide whether that be the tribes over in the amazon whose homes are literally yeah, yeah. being decimated or or whether that be some of the coastal countries who um you know whose land is slowly either eroding or being polluted with god knows what and that suddenly their main source of food is is unattainable anymore because the water's been poisoned i think it's actually happening and again they people have I've, I've done it to them without any care or thought in the world and again no consequence like you say so i think that, that there actually is a, a massive strong argument for that um and when it is starting to impact on people's health and livelihoods i think then then more so is the the case uh, strong that should be put forward is it's even stronger to, to make that case now i think and, and off what you said before there is nothing more powerful i don't think than a young person's voice like i will write to my mp and i can write to the ceos but it does not compare to when a seven eight six nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen mm -hmm. year old um you know uses their voice and and and, and says a loud kind of what they think and feel trumps us by a long way yeah. i think because it yeah yeah it, and it's especially it handwritten yeah especially handwritten <laughs> handwritten it's like you that, can, really you can see then that it's yeah it's the young person on the page you know and i think that's it's a really powerful thing actually it can be agreed um yeah yeah totally so okay what's your greatest hope for the future my greatest hope is i think i've kind of said it is in young people and for young people to i think carry on the road that they're already on um, but and but I will say in the same breath I don't want it to feel like I'm passing on all responsibility to young people because that isn't fair. <laughs> the the responsibility is yeah. absolutely I think on the adults. Um, but as as far as hope goes, young people are my biggest source of that. Uh, and I think as well, um, hoping that some of the movements that have happened already, and the way that consciousness has shifted, and the receptiveness and openness of people now wanting to change and try and make the right decision even if it's small I think my hope is that that grows and grows and grows and suddenly everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction in, in whatever way they choose to 
uh, and is really um, standing up and speaking up for whatever it is they believe in. Hopefully some of that might be the planet and our wildlife and, and we all come together, not just uh, in countries, but I mean globally, global communities. Like you look at the school climate strike, again, great example of children all over the world coming together. Uh, my biggest hope is that people are going to really bring about the change through writing their MPs, using their voice, taking to the streets, um, you know, writing to big businesses, where how they spend their money. Um, my biggest hope is is people really being at the epicenter of the change in action that that has to come and is coming. Yeah, I, I really believe that it is. Um, we just have to all work that bit harder now and ensure that we we see it all through. I think. Yeah, yeah, because with stuff like you know climate change, it's a global problem. It's no no individual country's issue. It's everybody's problem. We've all got to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, it's really key that sort of sense of of unity around the world and whether we can achieve that, I don't know. But I think as well, trying to get a, a you know shift in society um, so that we end up with something that's not quite so money driven, perhaps not so economically driven that's yeah. not so much about the maximum profit it's more about you know rather than it being that the economy has to thrive regardless of what happens to the people in it it's a place where people can thrive regardless of whether you know profits are being made or not and yes. i think you know if we can get our planet to that point it will be a really amazing place and it's one of the things i talk to young people about a lot is how we make that shift because it's a huge shift i don't know Massive. quite how it's going to be achieved but but, you know, that is the way that we will end up with a, a much better place for everybody. It is, I think, and, and in a way, that's... The, the, the global goals are a great example of that because it's not, you know, climate change is one area, but there's also, you know, you look then at uh, everyone's right to a fair and equal education, you know, actually, that making sure yeah, there's no yeah. disproportionate between, you know, young male boys being educated to females being, being educated. Um, you know that the fact that there's food banks being used up north where I'm from or actually all over the country you know all these things are linked and every single area I think does need a big shake up uh, but fundamentally like you say if we put the planet and people before profit um, and we, we change the way in which our, our systems work as far as you know financial systems and, and power systems yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the way in which you know countries work together and, and, and even within the same country politicians work together they all need to shift and almost do a full 180 and I think that's how we can push forward but it's all it's like one big ecosystem everything is so intrinsically linked but I and but off yeah. that you go well you just change that one little thing then actually that might ripple and end up changing that thing which will change that thing which will then change that thing um, but you're absolutely right it is it's a hard one though because it is absolutely massive what we're asking for isn't it yeah i mean it is changing what the world has got used to over the last few centuries um and yeah it's it's just a huge huge shi shift and a change to make but hopefully uh, at some point in our lifetimes uh it might come and you know i'd, I think I'd be you really pleased if i'm old and gray and i i live to see that sort of startings of that movement even would be really good i think <laughs> <laughs> I tell you why I think it will come and not to keep bringing it back to young people though but I do look at young people and go well if they were in power this generation now I think you know that YPT works so closely with I think you know my generation to a degree um, I, I do really believe and I think we've straddled kind of the old world before technology and the new one and we, re we, we have a real 
uh, understanding and compassion I think for the world and each other but the, the the next generation to come and thereafter I just really think they see think and feel things so differently to how the generation that are in power now do they it can only change because they just I just don't think they'll, they'll, they'll stand for it I don't think they'll put up with it and it's not within their nature to act and be that way I, I really don't so I, I and I, I don't, you know, I think sometimes people think you say it just to try and keep spirit up and morale up, which, you know, sometimes I do because we need it. But hand on heart, I wholeheartedly believe that young people can and absolutely are going to change the world in every sense of the world and all these things we've spoken yeah. about. Um, so yeah. and we will see it, Peter. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I was just crossed. finding, I was, I was looking there, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, um, I know we're filming, I wasn't being rude, but I was trying to find a quote about, because um, I wrote one down, there's a, there's a documentary called Gyro Dreams of Sushi. Um, shock, it's about sushi. But um, it's interesting because there's an element where uh, he talks about, um, he's noticed how the availability of certain fish has changed over the years due to climate change yeah, and there's overfishing the oceans. But he says, uh, his son says one line when talking about this, and I think it sums up what we're talking about. Because ultimately, I think big business, money and profit are at the root of some of the biggest problems in everything that we speak about. That is at the heart of it, always, money and profit. But the quote that he says is, business and businesses should balance profit with preserving our planet's natural resources. And I think if we can strive for that, that could go a long way in bringing about the shift that we're talking about. Peter. Oh, absolutely. I think that would be a you know a huge huge change and you know there's some businesses that are on that journey already um but there need to be a you know thousands millions more probably brought into that line as well um Agreed. but yeah i mean that that's the way it's, it's going to have to go wow okay well we've done the heavy questions now so now yeah. we've got <laughs> now we've got the lightweight ones <laughs> we've tried to solve climate so, change in 45 yeah minutes. yeah we yeah, just a, a few few little issues that we've dealt with um but yeah so now what's your favorite animal and why <laughs> Ooh, yeah okay nice um oh it's always hard i basically will always change depending on my mood between i think a dolphin and an elephant at the moment i'm in my heart's with elephants um they're they're just so beautiful and I've been fortunate enough to, to see elephants out in the wild. I've seen the, 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 the grey African elephant over in Kenya. And yeah. the, 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 the reason why I think I always go to them and, and what I said to my friends when I come back is whenever I was out on a safari or would be out in the, in the Mara, um, you'd maybe have a pack of lions that you'd been tracking and seeing or you, know, you had some beautiful big buffalo that you were just watching. But if there was any form of elephant in your eye line, and if I'm talking like way beyond there in the horizon, you saw an elephant or, a, or maybe a family of elephants walking by, you can't help but naturally be drawn to them. Well, for me personally anyway. So I think that yeah, for yeah. me was just showing that they just have this really amazing magnetic energy. As I say, there was at one point, there was a pack of lions in front of me just sleeping, which you'd think, right, that's got my full undivided attention. But I'd look over <laughs> and then in the back, you'd see the silhouette of a family of elephants and I'd naturally just be like, I just want to watch the elephants and be drawn into them. <laughs> so I'd say elephants for me. Okay, cool. But they have, yeah, they've got a real, for, for such big animals, they've got a real grace about them as well, haven't they? And the way they move, yeah. they're actually surprisingly kind of light-footed um, when they want to be. Yeah, and, they are, and, yeah, and they, they are, are quite peaceful to, to watch. watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Agreed. yeah, yeah. They just sort of sedately move across. Mind you, when I was in Kenya, I got, uh, my safari van got 
charged by one, and that wasn't quite so sedate. But uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that side of it. It's just, but as well, I mean, yeah. that's just them reminding you, going, "Don't think we're all just lovely and calm yeah. and sedated, <laughs> Peter." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was a slightly scary moment, but we got away. It was fine. Thank so. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> Following on from that one, is there a place in the world that you'd really like to visit and why? Oh, yeah. Um, this is obviously a post-COVID question here, really, because yeah. it's not going to happen in the near future. <laughs> not in the near future. <laughs> it will, but it will happen. Uh, and it's nice for us to get lost in that, that thought and fantasy. Yeah, and that dream, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, ooh, I've, I've always, um, there's a lot of Asia that I would love to go and see and experience. Um, I think... It's interesting. I've been watching a documentary recently, and it, a lot of it's been, it's been kind of set in South America, and um, that just seems to have really kind of resonated and pulled me in. There just seems to be such an array of uh, cultures and people and feeling and energy and and different climates and terrains um, that 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 are, are, are available there to go and see and feel and experience. That I'd probably say somewhere around South America, and then of course you've got the the Amazon rainforest and that's definitely something yeah. just with what's going on and kind of where it finds itself at the moment um, I really want to go and experience that and feel that and I think it'll be hard because you know I want to see the beauty of it but I think I also I think it's important to see the, the sad reality of, of what is happening to the Amazon um, so yeah. I, think I'd be, I think maybe I'd be drawn over there to be honest with you because as well the plethora and the number of, of wildlife species over there, I mean, it's just one of the most diverse places on the planet. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, maybe I'd say over there. Okay. That's, um, yeah, yeah. That amazing place to, to visit. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to visit the rainforest at some point myself. I've written a couple of books on it without having been there, but um, you know, it just seems <laughs> oh, like... No there's, what, were, there's... what were the books on? Oh, they were actually of... one was called rainforests and the other one was called disappearing rainforests or something um you know they were no just way. a couple of like textbooks that were done years ago but mainly for non-uk market they were designed for right. places like canada and india and stuff like that um where they used english but um you know slightly different education systems but uh yeah i such an amazing sort of contrast with what we're used to as well in in the uk you know to go there to feel the the heat the humidity the wet um, yeah. and then just the life um the amount of life there is around is just you know i can see you'd be blown away completely uh, yeah I, so um, i don't know if i'd really want to come back exciting I think place to go same as in like kenya but you know i have a real um love and a thirst uh, of wanting to know more and learn from all the indigenous communities and people around the world and some of the indigenous communities found in the amazon who while we're yeah, on the yeah. subject need to be protected and cared for at all costs and anything we can do to help them at this moment i think is really important but gosh given that there's some of the oldest indigenous communities in the amazon if i could get even just to spend an afternoon or meet them or see them in their in their natural habitat in their world would would be a dream come true actually yeah wow. yeah yeah okay yeah that i mean the the sort of as you say the wisdom and the the knowledge that they've built up over millennia really just through living where they live and and not wrecking it um but actually yeah. taking care of it and and you know finding out what works and what doesn't work presumably with a bit of trial and error in a lot of yeah. cases because some of the medicinal stuff that they've they've got and you know they know about 
how did they find that out in the first place um <laughs> but yeah just just amazing absolutely brilliant magic yeah okay final question yeah. do you have any advice for young people who are wanting to make the world a better place oh um i do and i will always say you know take my advice with a pinch of salt you know um but for what it's worth to quote um buffalo springfield i think I, I was lucky enough to have a conversation with uh with sir david attenborough and he one of the things when he and i you know this isn't my pearl of wisdom but who else would you want a pearl of wisdom from other than david attenborough and um he says you know find what it is that you love and he says and usually the thing that you love is usually what you're good at and go with that and I think that's that's a really important thing to say. And I think I have to pass that on because it came from the big man himself. But I'd say from off that as well, whatever it is that you love, do not stop or change that for anyone. You know, whatever it is that you want to be, whatever it is that you, you the, the dream that you want to chase or whatever it is that, you know, gets your heart singing, follow that and go with that with everything you've got. And don't ever let anyone or anything stop you from doing it because you will come up against distractions and the world will find a way, I think, to put speed bumps in front of you and try and take you off course. But know that no matter what people say or, or, or say you think you can do that or you can't do that, I'm telling you, you can do and be whatever it is you set your mind to. You just have to stay true to that and not change for anyone. So I think that would be my, my biggest advice. And, and, and also, having been in this space now around climate and the environment for, for a fair bit now, which is mad to say, um, I cannot tell you, and I mean this with all my heart, you young people are some of the biggest sources, as I say, of hope and inspiration for a lot of people. Um, and you really are, you're setting the world ablaze with your with your drive and with your wants and with your actions that you're taking uh, that are only making the world a better place. So keep on doing that because if it feels like you're not being listened to and you're not seeing enough from from us adults you'd be absolutely right to feel that but don't ever let that suppress you 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 drive to keep on going out there and banging on the door and shouting about it and and being angry or being annoyed or or going out and protesting because you guys have the world at your fingertips and and anything is available to you but if we so if you want to see that change go and make that change or put pressure on us to to make that change for you um because it's it's all there um and enjoy it have the best time and you know make sure you do your homework and listen to your parents and your teachers because although sometimes it'll be a bit annoying and you think they're on my case it's always coming from the place of wanting the best for you so if you do that and have a little bit of fun on the side um then then anything the sky is the limit and beyond i'd say <laughs> brilliant advice that's excellent i Kel. hope so Kel, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah no it's really good <laughs> um i'm going to be passing that on to my kids um that's for sure but um <laughs> um Kel, it's been brilliant having you um on the podcast today and thank you so much for doing it and um you know every success for the future mate and um let's keep on banging the drum we'll keep on doing it please have me back and genuinely what a, what a privilege that we've got to share this first one together so thank you for for having me on and, and a really as it always is with you peter just a really easy um honest and kind of thought-provoking conversation it's it's a joy and i will say you might even edit this out but if there are you know for, for young people listen i'm sure lots of parents 
Peter will not give himself the credit for all the work that he does behind the scenes. Uh, the young, the YPTE, from my understanding, we have some brilliant trustees and a lot of presidents, but Peter single-handedly is one of the biggest driving forces to the work that YPTE do. And I know that myself and all the young people that are involved in it and, and use its resources uh, should be thanking you. So while we are on the podcast, I just want to take a moment to say <laughs> thank you to Peter as well. Because he won't, he won't get the credit or give himself the credit otherwise. So... I'll squeeze that one in there at the end. Uh, thanks very much, Kale. That's really kind of you. Pleasure. Well, um, anyway, brilliant to have you. And yeah, hopefully come again sometime soon. But yeah, we'll, thanks we'll, very we'll, much, Kale. We'll solve a few more issues at, at another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Thanks very much then. See you. Thank you. Bye. For episode one of the YPTE podcast, Kel Spellman was answering questions from Peter Littlewood. To find out more about YPTE, please visit ypte.org.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at YPTE and on Facebook and Instagram at WeAreYPTE. Thanks for listening.